friends, and welcome to Liberation Lectionary, where each week we, um, we explore the upcoming lectionary readings according to the Revised Common Lectionary um, and see if we can't uh, mine it for some nuggets of liberation, some life-giving, especially those who have been uh, marginalized or pushed out or pushed down or forgotten or left behind. My name is Jamie Edwards Acton. I am an Episcopal priest in Los Angeles. And with me, as also, is my buddy. ¿Qué onda todos? Francisco Garcia. <laughs> uh, hanging out in Nashville, Tennessee. Also an Episcopal priest. And um, missing being a, a, a more frequent troublemaker. Yes. Yeah, Advent is one of our um, liturgical street troublemaking uh, seasons where those two typically came together when you were out here in LA, Francisco, um, trying to move some of the Advent liturgies of uh, posadas and, and uh, other, uh, you know, aspects of the liturgy, move it out into the streets where it belongs. And especially during Advent to uh, have those stories really come to life again in our own context of so, um, and I think today is one of those stories. So as we, uh, as we look at Advent 4 for the year C, we're in Luke, and we're going to be looking um, at a very familiar story uh, today. So Francisco is going to read it for us, um, and then what we're, we're going to do what we do. We're just going to, like a tennis match, we're going to start hitting it back and forth and see what happens. So. All right, so yeah, we are in Luke. Um, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, and 46 to 55, the Magnificat, or portion of it. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, this... Um should be very familiar, this story, uh, to folks as we get closer to 
the incarnation um, on Christmas Eve. And um, uh, here we have a kind of a two-part passage. First, where there's this encounter with Elizabeth and her cousin um, uh, Mary. And, um, and then there is um, the Magnificat, as you say. Um, and I'm I'm more interested in the Magnificat part of this. Uh, I imagine you might be too, Francisco. Um, but let's uh, see what we can at this first part. Um, you know what kind of comes to mind, what stands out for us. Um, I think for me, it's just uh, <clears throat> I'm getting the sense that it's just kind of a you know more kind of comp. It's like an confirmation part of the story right that uh of who jesus is right of who uh who this uh person is that we're about to tell the story that's it's getting basically it's getting underway right now in this whole scene and um and this is a confirmation of even before you know it's here we were last week john or the week before whatever i can't remember but one of those two john passages and the um uh or the Luke passages about John, but John the Baptist and, you know, where he's, he is like the forerunner of Jesus and talking about, I'm not even worthy to untie the, you know, the thong of the sandal and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and a lot of people had come out there, you know, for John and, um, and, but John really is going to play this role, at least narratively, right? Historically, we don't really know how this kind of, um, happens, but uh, narratively, they're trying to make this point that he's the forerunner. He's kind of, you know, straightening the path, right? Clearing the way for uh, Jesus to come onto the scene. And, and here we have, in, you know, in the womb, kind of a mini version of that same uh, passage. So that's the first thing that kind of stands out for me here in that first half. Yeah, and I think it's important to have that sort of like uh, engagement, right, of, of um, two women. Right, so I think it's theologically significant, right? Mm -hmm. um, two women who are giving birth to, um, you know, two children that are to be um, steeped in the prophetic tradition, and you know, one who is going to be uh, obviously calling upon, you know, naming the other, obviously as, you know, the incarnation, right? The way of the way of uh, God in, in the world. So. Um, sort of setting the scene, I think, for, you know, the main event in this passage, which is, you know, Mary's song. Right, right. And I, and then we go, we go into that. And it's just, you know, this is, um, this will become the kind of template for how, you know, uh, kind of God's uh, way in the world, right? How, uh, God is, you know, constantly reversing, right? Everything, uh, the way we think, um, things are, or should be, or have been right in our communities, societies, and our power structures. And, um, so here you have, again, this woman, you know, this is, a, we, we, we make this a very sanguine text, right? Like a very hallmarkish, uh, type thing. And people, uh, this thing yeah it's very uh yeah very precious pious and and uh, but it's super political right i mean if this is a super political uh passage here and from I'm the get even in, yeah. in 
in terms of the powers that be, right? Right. I mean, um, there is, you know, first there is, um, you know, Mary saying that you've looked on your servant, um, you know, with the lowliness, right, of a servant. So this is not just any, right, you had not looked just on any person here, but you've looked on the, you know, the lowliness. And actually, I think the Greek, uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, look it up, but I think the word is more like the humiliation, right, of your servant, which kind of points to this, uh, the societal and political reality of people like Mary, right? Um, and there, there is in, in the Roman Empire and in that part of the world at that time, there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of uh, people living on the margins and uh, on the underside of community. And it's, I think it's pretty safe to say that Mary was part of that, close to that, you know, proximate to that. Um, and for kind of speaking of herself that way, right? The, you know, as seeing her, you know, using the language that how, how society would describe her, right? You know, or how she feels as being kind of a casualty of such an unjust, you know, uh, society and uh, being feeling, uh, you know, humiliated and impoverished and lowly and you know so i don't we can't just that's not just like a spiritual kind of piety you know pious kind of posture she's talking about this is this is like a social political reality i think she's talking about here yes absolutely um and this what what mary is kind of like identifying in this passage is is you know what we've referred to in other gospels, you know, when we were in, in Mark for a good while, we talked about all of the um, reversals or inversions that were happening, right? Things are sort of upended or turned upside down um, in terms of like the power structure and what is what is lifted up as the center of, the, you know, of God's attention and concern, right? We've talked about the preferential option for the poor, marginalized, and least of these. And this is very much in that same um, tradition, right? The lowliness is looked as blessed, and then it continues, right? Um, the, um, um, the 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 proud are um, are scattered. Um, the powerful are brought down. The lowly are lifted up. The rich are sent away hungry. Um, you know, it just it it, it talks about. Um, and this is about God's sort of salvation plan, right? Or said another way, God's plan of liberation, right? Of, mm -hmm. of, of restoration of the, 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 the majority of the world's population in the way, like those who are sort of like um, have been treated as less than and, and a reversal of authority and order and, and attention in God's kingdom. And, yeah. and for it to come from Mary, right, is significant. Because yeah. um, obviously she's giving birth to Jesus, but there's a reason why I think um, in so many of our um, Christian traditions, and certainly, obviously, you know, I grew up Roman Catholic, and you know, Mary is huge. You know, sometimes, you know, there are people who see that to a fault and say, "Oh, well, you know, you're focusing too much on Mary to the expense of Jesus." But I've never seen it that way. I think that it's about how significant 
Mary is in the fact that she gives birth to, you know, the Christ, but even herself in her own body, she is an instrument, right, of God's salvation and liberation and good news for the world. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's something so, there's something so wonderful and about her character or her personality. And, um, I think it's because she reflects this kind of this character of God that is, that's kind of strangely for me, it's summarized in the line where God, it could have said, and God, you know, fed the hungry, right. And God, and took care of the hungry. Right. But that's not what it says. Right. It says God fed the hungry with good things. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's something so beautiful about that. Right. Like it's not just about getting something to eat. It's about dignity and it's about, you know, acknowledging agency and people's inner lives, internal lives and external lives and stories and experiences and aspiration. I mean, there's just something so acknowledging of humanity in that line right there. And I think there, I think Mary reflects that, right? Um, because in this beautiful song, right, she sings a song, uh, right? The Magnificat, uh, that's that's what our response to to God should be, right? To break out in song, and um, and she does it by talking about how God has acted. I, I actually think, you know, I think the in the English we read it as kind of the uh, the tenses they use about all these actions of God, right? Because it's a, like a litany of actions, right? In in the the Magnificat, this is what God has done, right? Um, and I think in the Greek, though, again, I'm no, but I think it's like a more permanent past. It's not like the the per present perfect tense, you know, where it's like has and still is kind of thing. Um, but has not to say that it's just something in the past, because uh, obviously we're preparing for something that's about to happen. Right. So there and which which that too summarizes the feeling of not just Advent, uh, the Advent season but it that this is the whole kind of you know coming kingdom of of that christ talk, jesus talks about uh, that's that's here that's a, that's already here but not yet quite here right already, not yet already yeah. but not yet and that's when you get that sense of mary's song too where she's singing about this thing that's about to happen look at all these things that have happened but look you know something's about to happen kind of thing um so i, I really appreciate that about the song as well yeah, I mean, and I think that obviously it goes really quickly. I mean, I mean, and just the fact that we think about the New Testament um, and the Gospels, I don't know if there are any other places where a woman is given this much, has this much sort of like um, airtime in terms of speaking um like in this prophetic manner, right? Right. I mean, can you think of any other passage? I mean, there's not maybe a little bit close. The woman at the well, or something, you know, talking okay. to yeah. Jesus. But, but I, yeah, I, I, your point is taken. It's pretty sparse, you know. So yeah. it, this should stand out. So yeah, I think the woman at the well, I think represents obviously that's like one of the longest dialogues, yeah. you know, obviously that Jesus has with a person, and it's a woman, so that's significant. Yeah. But here, obviously, she's the one you know, she's like giving her soliloquy, you know, it's like, Hamlet, right. you know, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. 
<laughs> to be That's or right. not to be, that is the question. Right, right. And she's proclaiming, you know, God's redemption in such a powerful way. And it's not a, about her, but it's about her people, you know, and it's about the people. And so I think it's just, it has so much strength in that, in that sense. And yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I don't want to, I don't mean to interrupt. It's okay. I mean, we can come back, but the, where you, you say this is not an individual song she's singing here, a prayer or proclamation, right? She is, she is speaking on behalf of, um, you know, a, a people as, you know, a particular people, right. In her time, Jews that under, you know, kind of the boot of the Roman empire, um, and stuff, but also I think in terms in, in a much general, broader sense too, right? The, those who are seen as lowly or those who are yeah. humiliated in society, right? Um, that they, they play a special role. They are the protagonists. They, they are the protagonists in God's story. And uh, so not only is it it's, it's beautiful, but it's wonderfully scandalous too. Um, so just didn't want to yeah. let that go as you pointed that out so well and i think that's perfect and and how we um i think as you said earlier this is so sanitized in our culture but like in if you look at you know movements in 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 history um this has been a, a source of strength for so many um you know and in latin america um you know part of like the you know, real, you know, social movements for change that included like base communities, obviously, that were part of the church, um, that were trying to make real, more radical change, and also more social revolutionary movements, um, you know, looked to, to this song as a source of strength and sustenance and a call, you know, a call to action, faithful action. So um, I think that this is a perfect, um, you know, organizing text for us, like a yeah. about what it means to to be the church and to uh, do church. Um, if we can really meditate on this text and then look at our our social and economic and political situations today and religious, um, we can hopefully we can glean some good wisdom from it for the way yeah. ahead. I'm down with that, Francisco. Any, um, I think, yeah, I mean, this is, um, I think that's all I got. I'm just looking at it one more time, the reading, and, uh, but I think, I think we've said plenty. Um, I guess I would just leave people with, you know, it is, you know, as we get, our, our churches are getting greener, you know, as we get closer to Christmas and the, the, you know, there's the festivities and there's, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, is that uh, when Francisco and I were in the same place, in the same city, uh, we very much, it was easy to see the political uh, character of uh, readings like this and this season. And it's easy to move these liturgies into the streets or, or at, at the very least to preach it and to teach it in the political nature of these readings. And I don't think people should uh, let that go by, you know, and opt for some kind of sweeter, uh, softer uh, message uh, because we're somehow, that somehow honors the season. I think it, it doesn't honor the season to not really like, you know, kind of let the political aspect of these readings really fly. So um, 
So I, I encourage people uh, to, you know, uh, turn up the political knob a little bit, on, particularly on the Magnificat, and, uh, and trust that people will, you know, can, that it will be liberating for people. It will be life-giving, right, to have this narrative uh, as kind of guiding their life as well. Absolutely. Um, and ha then we can really give um, real substance, I think, to Christmas. When we talk about the joy of Christmas, when you talk about when, you, when we wrap Advent all together, right? And we light those candles each week and we look at the connection between peace, love, hope, joy, and end with that light of Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, Christ is born in the context of this Magnificat, you know? Right. And yeah. let's forget that disconnect so that the, the Christ child that is being born is, 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 there's already a proclamation, like you said, of a different, fundamentally different way of life. Yeah. And if we can imagine, you know, I think it's a wonderful in invitation to try to really imagine all that stuff you name that, all that joy of Christmas and, you know, stuff. But from the perspective, from the viewpoint of those who are not seen in our society, you know what I mean, who are or not seen completely and what it would, you know, so what would all those ask, you know, things of good news that you named, right? What would those look like from their perspective? How would they take it? In? I mean, it would just be probably how many of us feel times a hundred or times a thousand, you know, I mean, just because. Uh, people finally felt included or seen or named or known or, you know, uh, cared about or, um, you know, um, understood. So, um, yeah, I think it's, we, we definitely want to keep, I think we need to hold on to that perspective through these seasons here. So, or, right, or any day, any, any day, day, not just these seasons. Yeah. <laughs> we hope that you have enjoyed, um, this uh, Advent um, series of Liberation Lectionary, we certainly enjoyed it. And um, as we move into Christmas and into, I can't believe that we're, you know, moving into 2022, um, we, we just look, look forward to continued conversations. Check us out on podcasts and on Facebook. Leave a comment, share it with a friend, um, tell us what, what you like, what you don't like, and we'd be happy to engage with you in any way. Sounds good. Great to see you, Francisco. All right. Until then, friends. Peace. Peace.